0: The Start on
1: demand. On, on demand
0: Hey it's Brett it's the Friday edition of the podcast for The Start with Mackling McGarry and McNab and today we're going to talk about video games Do you play video games with your kids because if you don't it might be a good idea to start thinking about it We're also going to talk about what would you do If you had six months to dedicate your life to one thing, didn't have to worry about work, didn't have to worry about kids, didn't have to worry about any other responsibilities but this one thing, what would you dedicate your life to? Because there's an NFL player who says if he had six months, he could make it into the NHL. We're also going to tee up the banjo bowl. We'll get it from a couple of sides. One, the sports side, of course, the analysis into the game. We'll also speak with a member of the communications team, the organization team from the Winnipeg Football Club, who just so happened to bring with her a banjo player. So that's fun. And on this curbside giveaway weekend, we want to tell you why it's a good idea to not put out any old bikes. More than half of Canadians play video games. The
1: number of game developers, Greg, has never been higher. It's true. Violence in video games has long been an issue. But what about sexual assault and racism? Kim Smith has some tips to help parents trying to keep up with their tech savvy kids. You can get things done on the slide.
2: These are complex characters with intricate storylines. And while it's entertaining, it's made University of Alberta student Jocelyn Byer uncomfortable.
3: Sexual harassment as a way of showing um, who has power over other people.
2: Byer is studying sexual assault and racial stereotyping in games for her master's thesis.
0: The subtler things like uh, how relationships are portrayed Things like uh, notions of consent, things like whether violence is presented as an appropriate way of solving problems Maybe a little bit under the
2: radar. So how do you know if the games your kids are playing include those subtle messages? These three tech experts agree parents need to sit down and play. If your kid was playing soccer or hockey, you would go with them to the games. So why not play games with them? Having open communication I think is important. It
0: really is important that we be active uh, co-viewers with our kids.
2: And that includes chat rooms. Chat is generally just a trash fire wasteland of terrible things said by terrible people to other people. And I think that that's something where you really do need to monitor and keep an eye on that stuff. Websites like Common Sense Media have articles about those subtle messages such as how one race or colour or creed is portrayed uh, or how women are talked to in the game or touched or something like that. We all call this out. Parents can then help their children call it out, too. Kim Smith, Global News.
1: So, Greg, do you play video games with your kids? I, I do, and... Not for the reasons outlined in the story. I confess, I do keep an eye on what they're doing online with the newer games, right? The Minecrafts and the uh, Fortnite and all these different things. And every once in a while, I look at what's going on, and I go, eh, "Is that appropriate?" And on my threshold for appropriate is pretty low. I mean, I. I don't like anything that's too suggestive or I don't even like the chat feature being engaged when they're online and playing those games. Oh, I'm just talking to my friends. Yeah, but can anybody reach out and send you a message? Yeah, anybody can. Sorry guys, you're gonna have to shut that off.
3: But this story raised points that I hadn't thought of. My kids aren't really at that age yet. They have a couple hockey games on the video like an old PS2, but nothing serious. But I never thought really about the outfits or what someone might be wearing in a right. game that you might want to talk about as apparent um, cultural misappropriation, not just the language. Like, I think we're often focused on, okay, there's guns in this video game, there's blood. I don't want that. But there's so many other things that could be happening that, that we're not focusing on, which is really smart than to sit down and play with them. And maybe more
1: subtle, right, Brett? Like the idea that, that you know, just the the, the subtle mes- messaging and the message I liked maybe most out of that report was the idea, you know, you'd go out and throw a ball around with your kids or play hockey on the front street. Why wouldn't you play video games with them?
0: I remember when uh, I was a teenager, there was a game called, I think I was about 15 years old, there was a game called Mortal Kombat that came out. And uh, fighting games had been popular for a while, just one-on-one fighting, uh, like Street Fighter, Street Fighter Two; those were popular games. There was controversy over those because you're beating each other up. And then Mortal Kombat comes along with hyper-realistic graphics because they used actual people. Uh, and they just managed to, rather than cartoon characters, they used people and just used images of them in the game. And those games had, like, you didn't just beat your opponent, you killed them. And the finishing move was called a fatality. And they were very graphic. One guy, he, he he pulled the guy's head off. And his spinal cord would be hanging down. So, of course, that. as a teenager, I loved it. <laughs> sure. You know, all, the, all the, the, the male demographic that it was targeting was just went bonkers over it. But, of course, the people who did not like it went bonkers. And it was a massive controversy to the point when Super Nintendo released it, they did not include blood, and they changed some of the fatalities so they were less gory, whereas Sega Genesis had all the blood and gore, and uh, Super Nintendo eventually relented when the sequel came out.
1: And how about Grand Theft Auto, all the hullabaloo and the uproar surrounding the release of that game, because it told a story, right? And and the fact that you were involved in crime and organized crime and prostitution was kind of subtly suggested in oh, the yeah. first iteration, and that just grew over the different releases of Grand Theft Auto. So, and the whole idea, hello, <laughs> in Winnipeg, in particular, when that game came out We were the car theft capital of North America, I think, and a lot of people were uncomfortable with the correlation there,
2: Lorraine.
3: And the games come with ratings, and you can go online, and you can look it up, and I've done this for a few of them that I know are at my kid's friend's house or what have you. The problem is then there's reviews. So one parent will say, it's fine for seven-year-olds, and the next one will say, it's fine for, I wouldn't let my kid until he's 12 play this. And so there's this, it's hard. So just sit down and play it with them, and then you'll know. And then you can save it for the next year if it's not good for them.
1: Now, uh, here's the headline. NHL players rip Jalen Ramsey for claiming he could play in the NHL in six months. Who is Jalen Ramsey, you ask? Well, he's a Jacksonville Jaguar star cornerback, and he made a number of headlines this off offseason uh, from trashing Josh Allen, Joe Flacco, and a number of other quarterbacks to calling Rob Gronkowski overrated. So, you know, uh, this guy is not short on shall we say confidence Ramsey has been front and center this summer while many of his boasts and proclamations are rooted in some semblance of fact this is so well written one thing he told ESPN's Mina Kimes doesn't hold water Ramsey who admittedly is a phenomenal athlete told Kimes he could probably crack an NHL roster in six months if he started training Completely
4: ludicrous, of course, Kellymore. I would no, he's never skated before in his life, so, <laughs> so
3: there, Oh man.
4: Uh, and, I know. and
1: and actually um, Evander Kane probably had the best response of all the players quoted. He says I think I'd be about a 1,000% times better at his position in six months than he'll be at
4: mine. Yeah, I would take Evander Kane uh, on that for sure. Now, uh, there are football players who are very good hockey players. Nick Dembski and Andrew Harris in our own backyard are among that group. But they skated from the time they were kids. Yeah, I feel like if anyone could do it from scratch, it would have been Bo Jackson. Yes,
5: and Um, even he couldn't because in those ads, he was was Gretzky, and Gretzky was the one that was like, "Nah,
4: not everything."
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you want to recant that? (laughs) Even Bo Jackson couldn't do it. That's
0: right. Yes. What about a guy like Dion Sanders?
4: I think Dion and Bo were in the same league in terms of football and baseball, you know, and and probably they played basketball as well. I'm talking about uh, Dion here, but. no, not hockey. it's no. the skating
1: alone. Exactly. This, never mind all
4: the other stuff you do. It's the
1: skating alone. Anyway, this got us wondering about if you had six months to get dedicate your life to one thing, what is it that, A, that you'd like to do? And, like, do you think you could be pretty good at it? I saw someone picture, uh, post a picture of Ryan Reynolds with a little bit of a (laughs) pot belly. And it's, you know, it's pretty easy. Like you just have to uh, work out three times a day, have a personal (laughs) trainer, be paid. Uh It's not hard people to get ripped and cut up.
5: It's well-timed. I was actually mouthing off. Uh, with our colleagues in the newsroom yesterday, uh, Christian O'Mell was there. He's six foot four, and he was saying how he can't dunk a basketball.
0: He's like six seven, isn't
5: he? Uh, he's in between there somewhere. Yeah. And right. I said, you know what? I can dunk a basketball, and they all laughed at me. And I said, in one month I will dunk a basketball. So that's oh. coming up in October, apparently. Wow. Jalen Brown, <laughs> <laughs> have, have you
0: ever
5: dunked a basketball? I don't know. <laughs> just, uh, I
4: know you have. Do haven't. you
3: have about? Ba- Do you play basketball? No.
4: Okay. No. I did it in junior high, but he, he didn't say how high the hoop was going. Yeah, the rims were at eight go to
0: You're elementary school yard and do it. <laughs> <But> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff, you were just showing me this morning. One of the, you like the show It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which runs on FX. Yeah. And one of the cast members did, did yeah.
5: this very six-month thing. Yeah, he was, all, he was, he was uh, a few seasons ago. He gained like 50 or 60, 70, 80 pounds just to be Fat Mac for a season. As a joke, he did that for their sitcom. And now he's just ripped this season, and he said he spent half a year. He got the studio to get him a trainer and a cook and everything and just – he got them to fund his uh, workout or whatever for the last half year. Well,
3: that's part As of the equation. Joke. If you have someone who's going to train yeah. with you, then yeah. you <laughs> can do a lot of things in six months. Okay, what
1: could you do, McNabby Town, in if six I had, months? I would
3: like to. I've always wanted to be a, like a really good guitar player. Yes! Yeah, and I play the piano, but I never took guitar <laughs> lessons, and now my kids want to do it. And I think I feel like I could just I really just be really good, maybe even world class.
4: I'm not sure whether you'd play acoustic, lead, bass, or whatever, but I want to play the slide steel guitar, a lost art, and then sing back up. You just want
5: to do that because those guys always have to, they sit when they play it.
4: (laughs) And then sing back up for for Carrie Underwood.
3: Oh, it's a full
1: dream. on, Carrie Underwood, you're still on that train after all that smack talk and lack of taking Chris Jericho up on the bet? Isn't she out in Winnipeg? You're not allowed to be a Carrie Underwood fan in this town anymore. He are has you to done? Support <laughs> Yeah, I'm done. He's,
3: he's our steel guitar player. He has to back the band, <laughs> right?
1: Sorry, Kelly. You and I get along on a lot of stuff, but uh, the, the gloves are off for oh, this one. Oh, come on. Get over it, Macklin. No, 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 no way. Police. No, absolutely not.
0: He holds a grudge, Jeff Braun. Do you respect
1: that? Because you Holding hold a, grudge? a grudge? Yes, a grudge is a good thing to hold. I <laughs> broke up, do you know what I did for Brett? Yesterday I broke up with Whitney Cummings. Because she slammed people with the name Brett on Twitter. So I'm how sorry, about who is
4: Whitney Cummings?
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's persona non grata. She's on, a comedian. On the start. Yeah. Very funny woman.
0: Hey, Texas, what would you do if you had six months and to dedicate your life to it? Let us know. 204-780-6868. Or you can email mcnab at cjob.com, gmac at cjob.com, or brett at cjob.com. <laughs> Our scheduled guest has uh, some unexpected uh,
1: circumstances that are preventing him from being here. Well, you know, like, come on, Doug, really? (laughs) You make an appointment with us, you ought to keep it. Now, about 20 minutes ago, I got a text message. From our good friend, Doug Brown. Uh, morning show ain't going to happen today, GMAC. Uh, Monica's water broke last night, and we're still in the middle of it at State B. <laughs> so Doug Brown and his partner, Monica, uh, may very well be having a baby as we speak right now. So yeah. uh, we will uh, wait to get official word from 97. And, and kudos
3: to him for texting in the middle of yeah. that, because I remember when my husband dared to pick up the phone with our first child. And I was like, what are you doing <laughs> right now? I <coughs> am dying over here. And that was back in the T9 days. Like, beep, beep, beep,
1: beep, beep, And I was
3: like, look at the phone. Well, you don't want to know what I
1: said at, uh, Brandon was born at 1056. And at about 11 o'clock, I looked at the nurses and I said, do I have time to go to the bathroom? I've been up since five o'clock and I haven't. uh, So I ran to the bathroom in between the birth of my two children. And I've never heard the uh, end of of that one. Rightly so. so. They were 15 minutes apart. I had lots and lots Mm -hmm. of time. Christian, no Mel and Kelly Moore have stepped in for Doug Brown because it takes two men to do Doug Brown's job and break down uh, the banjo Bowl for us this uh, I said it on the podcast Kelly uh, this to me is the the season for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers it may be an overstatement but I think for a lot of fans uh, three
4: losses in a row a fourth would be devastating for the blue and gold well if you're uh, it all depends on what you're looking at. Uh, from the perspective of can they still make the playoffs, no, Uh, because uh, the West is so tightly packed and the crossover is still very much available to them because of the way Toronto and Montreal have been struggling. But if you are looking at it from the perspective of uh, can this team get back into legitimate contender status, then, yeah, that's going to be a real serious blow uh, in their attempts to do that.
0: We don't have Doug Brown with us, but we do have someone else on the phone. Hi, Bob. Good morning, you guys. How are you?
1: Doing very well. <laughs> Bob Irving called us. Wow. Big smile on Greg's face. That's fantastic. Uh, Bob, did you did you get a text from Doug, or are you just <laughs> listening and going, geez, uh...
4: Should Christian and I just leave now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys can go.
6: Well, you guys are good. I was, I'm just calling to help out if you need help, but if you've got Christian and Kelly there, I'm out for my morning walk, and I'm listening to your show, of course, because it's so good. It just sets my day off on the right foot. And then I heard about Doug texted me last night and he said, look, I don't know about Saturday. We might have to induce by Saturday and I might have to miss the game. And I said, Hey, whatever, do what you have to do because this is a life altering experience and one you don't want to miss. And, uh, Anyway, I'm glad to hear that it's happening today and he'll be at the game tomorrow.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We have to send more than
3: a fruit basket if he shows up to that game tomorrow, let me tell you that. I
1: think you're right. Hey, Bob, well, let me throw this at you. uh, Ed Tate and I, when we do the halftime show, inevitably get around to speaking about Andrew Harris, what he's done in the first half of any game and then talk about what he needs to do in the second half. Andrew Harris is uh, really getting better by the week it feels he's only 72 yards shy of his rushing total from last season like the year he's having is simply phenomenal
6: yeah it really is and you know we talk about his age before Greg he's 31 running backs typically don't have their their best things going for them at age 31 but Andrew Harris has just been totally remarkable the game he had in Regina last weekend was something else he's set he really is uh, having a phenomenal year. Michael Shea said yesterday he's the kind of player who every time he goes out there, he wants to put the team on his back, and, and he's done that more than once this year. Saskatchewan, of course, will make every effort to take him out of the game tomorrow, so that'll be a fun chess match to watch. You talked to Greg about this a loss tomorrow being devastating. Let's just put it this way. This is a big, big game for the Blue Bombers, and I'm with Kelly from a standings point of view, you know, there, there still would be lots of hope. But losing erodes confidence. And the more you lose, the harder it is to sort of get your mojo going. And so I think from that perspective, uh, and especially with the bye coming up right after this game, uh, th- this is a game that the Bombers could really, really use. Christian
0: O'Mell host of Sports Sunday. What do you think the key is uh, for victory for the Bombers?
7: Well, I think what we've seen the difference in these last couple of second halves is that the offense has gone nowhere in the second half. And part of it is credit to Calgary and Saskatchewan. They've got fantastic defensive units, but we haven't seen Matt Nichols be able to move the ball downfield. We haven't seen them take these deep shots that have been successful earlier in games. Darvin Adams can get open. And when they are able to key on Andrew Harris, the offense hasn't been able to move the ball. So if they can... Change that around. It'll be interesting to see if Nichols has some early struggles what this crowd, the sellout crowd, is going mm. to do. Because last time... He was here, there were some boos, and that created a big stir.
1: Bob, I don't know if you saw it last night, but the Philadelphia Eagles, who unfurled their Super Bowl championship banner last night, actually got booed at home at Lincoln, Lincoln <laughs> Financial awesome. Field. It's Philly. I know, it's Philly. Wow. And, and, and Kelly, you know that uh, Philly fans are a little bit different than most fans anywhere on the planet.
4: Yeah, they are for sure. And uh, I, I concur with Christian, and I think, you know, probably I would say if there is a group, a position of people on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who really have to step forth tomorrow in the Banjo Bowl. It is the receiving core. Bob, would you agree with that?
6: Yeah, I think so, Kelly, for sure. I don't think they've given uh, Matt Nichols as much support as they could. Uh, They're certainly very important to the the game tomorrow, and I guess I would look back to last year when the Bombers lost the Labor Day Classic in Regina, and they lost it in rather one-sided fashion and then came home and beat uh, beat the Riders, I think it was, 48-24, you know, things can turn around dramatically, yeah. that crowd. I don't believe Zach Kolaris, the quarterback of the Riders, I know he hasn't played in a banjo bowl, so he'll experience crowd noise like never before. I, I think there's a lot of things in the Bombers' favor tomorrow.
0: Bob Irving, thank you very much, sir. Enjoy the rest of your walk. Kelly Moore and Christian O'Mel, thank you very much for joining us. Mackling McGarry McNabb and Ross... On 680 CJOB, Ross the banjo player from MacTagg and Mac
1: and Allen. And why, Greg, is Ross here? Tomorrow afternoon, IGF. It's the ugliest football uniforms in the world versus <laughs> the best football uniforms on the planet as the Saskatchewan Rough Riders come to town to get their backsides whooped by the Blue Bombers. See, so yeah, twanging again.
3: I know. You've been doing it all morning. I don't morning. know what it is about the banjo. It gets me a little bit of a twang in my voice. And we've been learning so much about Ross this morning, who's from Ireland, so he doesn't have that twang at all, but he just taught us, what's the new phrase? We want to ask people, what's what's the buzz? What's, what's in the news? What's the crack? What's the crack? What's the crack, Jack? That's Love interesting. It. Yeah. I'm going to start using that.
0: Ross actually has an interesting story, so we'll see if we can sneak that in <laughs> in a moment. But uh, so many M's. We've got Mackling, McGarry, McNabb. Michelle Lissel is here from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and then of course uh, Ross is from MacTag and Mac and Allen. So kind of hard to keep track of
1: them. Here, <laughs> marvelous, and uh, of course uh, Manitobans love the Banjo Bowl. The game's been sold out for a few days now. Michelle, and uh, this is regardless, we we discussed this going into the Labor Day Classic regardless of the records of the teams it's always it's always a lot of anticipation and now we've managed somehow to replicate this for for 15 years the excitement coming back and the moved And the decision to move the game to a Saturday, I think, is a brilliant one.
8: Well, this is really the biggest football game of the year. I mean, barring maybe you have a playoff game, I still think this is the football game to be at. And, I mean, we couldn't be more excited that, as you mentioned, the game is sold out. The players are up for it. It's the 15th anniversary of the Banjo Bowl, which is, uh, you know, it's This has been going on for 15 years, and every year it does not disappoint. We're obviously hoping we come out on the winning side of things this uh, Saturday, and I'm sure we will. But it's going to be a great time. I mean, if you're coming down, the tailgate opens at noon. uh, So that's, I mean, it's Saturday. What else are you doing? You may as well come down early. There's lots of things for the kids. There's inflatables, and there's plenty of bars, all kinds of stuff going on there. Gates open at 1.30, and um, we're just looking forward to a, a great afternoon. If you're not,
3: if you don't have tickets, as you mentioned, you can just come down and sort of uh, have a little pre-party and then post-party, hopefully, if you want to hang out with, with folks afterwards. This game, I think, is exciting for two reasons. One, because of the rivalry, but also mm. what I think Winnipeg is increasingly does better every year as fans, as Bombers fans, as we fill that stadium with our own. And, and you, I feel like you don't see maybe as many Riders fans mm-hmm. as you used to yeah. in the beginning because they're so good at traveling with their team.
8: Yeah, and I, I know a lot of, uh, a few of our office staff went to Regina for the game so uh, you know they said it's the atmosphere even though that game was sold out to the atmosphere is not even remotely close to what we produce here and I speak from I'm on the field for game days and I cannot wait for the noise and the, the loudness of the fans like you People in Winnipeg, football fans are are lucky here because of this atmosphere. It is by far the best in the CFL, and we have a lot to be proud of. So uh, we're just, I mean, the atmosphere is going to be great. Uh, we've got Kendra Kaye, who's performing at halftime. She'll also be in the uh, in the tailgate area. And Ross is, if you want to come and get more of Ross, Ross is going to be on the stage in the tailgate, I think, at 1230. So
3: more banjo. I do want to get more banjo. That's what this, this whole situation needs is more banjo and yep. cowbell.
0: Now, Michelle... Um, we are we're giving away noisemakers with our tickets oh, this boy. week yep. um, to to help Winnipeg fans prove to the Rough Riders and the Rider fans who come in that we have the best fans. But earlier we were joking about bringing noisemakers. Greg played a vuvuzela, sound effect, <laughs> which <I> Lorraine <laughs> loves. Yes. Yep. And uh, are there certain noisemakers that are prohibited, like an air horn, for example?
8: Um, well, you you can bring them in. Um, I mean, we do have security, but as long as it's you know. It's a safe item you you can bring it in, so it's it's not really a problem. Um, the cowbells will be loud and proud, that's for sure. And it is maybe a bit unfortunate if you get stuck with someone behind you. <laughs> that is, but you know it's all in good fun. So that's that's what it's all about is going out and having a good time.
1: So. And that's another point I was hoping that we would get around to, and and reminding folks that for as intense as I can be when I'm in the stands as a fan at any event, that it is all good fun. You might mm. be sitting beside someone from Saskatchewan, and there might be that rivalry there, and things can get a little bit heated in discussion, but sometimes we have to remind one another that, hey, it's just a football game, and we have more in common with the folks from Saskatchewan than, than we have differences, as much as I hate them.
8: Yeah, and you know what, and it's and it's like, hey, thanks for coming, welcome to right. our stadium. That's that's what it's about. I mean, uh, a lot of our fans had some good treatment by Rider fans, and we want to show them the same courtesy, and that's okay. We can have that rivalry can have fun with them but I think it's all about you know hey show them what a great party we put on in Winnipeg and that's what brings them back and that's what we want I'm
3: hoping Greg heeds his own advice Monday morning (laughs) should things go the wrong way you remember it's just a game try not to come in angry hopefully we won't even have to worry about that but I'm just I want you to remember this conversation
0: he's (laughs) thinking about it he's he's
3: unsure at the moment he's gonna tap down some of that anger I am committing to
0: nothing at this point
5: (laughs) Okay,
0: Ross, well, we have you here. Where in Ireland? Or first of all, how long have you been in Canada? <clears throat> Three years. And where are you from in Ireland? County Armagh. How do you spell that for those who are unfamiliar with the area? It's A R M A G H. Now we looked it up. It looks like a like a beautiful paradise, really. I sort of made the comparison. It looks kind of like the Shire in the Lord of the Rings movies, which was this sort of uh, Greg always refers to panacea, it's, it's, it looked like that. What drew you away from that? I uh, love my girlfriends from here she's a good Transcona girl that I met in She's <laughs> Transcona yes
8: that's great right. uh, I'm, uh, I'm from
0: Transcona so uh, I moved here and the first thing I had to do
7: was visit uh, the George the Silver Spike Saloon ah, all, the, all, the, all the haunts all the haunts yes so. from
3: the green hills of Northern Ireland to
7: oh.
1: the
3: lovely backyards
1: she of Transcona she must Trans-Kona. be spectacular uh, in so many ways wow for, <laughs> that's boy. Great. I always ask the question right here anyone from another country with an accent that's moved here I first of all ask where they're from and then I very quickly ask uh, if you're a gentleman what's her name because Mm -hmm. uh, you come here for love and or love right? Mm -hmm. That's it Yeah. yeah
0: Loren McNabb It's giveaway weekend.
3: It's giveaway weekend, which is a favorite time of year for many people. Winnipeg is like a deal. It's even better when it's left on the curb for free. So I can appreciate that for sure. But our guest right now wants to talk about what he doesn't want to see on the curb if people want to give it away. Uh, Pat Crowick is with The Wrench. It's a bicycle program that's very excellent for youth in the city and Mm. and getting them a free bike if need be. But uh, if people are putting that bike out on the curb or just leaving their bikes out. You're, what's your message to them, Pat?
7: Well, you know, you pointed out some good things. Giveaway Weekend is an excellent example of the big hearts of Winnipeggers. They're generous. We're also thrifty. We recognize value. And they want this bike that's still good to go to somebody. But the thing is, the way you dispose of unwanted bicycles can be a sort of plausible deniability for bike theft. So what do I mean? By leaving bicycles out on an alley with the trash or at the front yard, people can come and pick them up. And when you're delivering a bike to a scrapyard or when, you know, they say, where'd you get that bike? They can say, oh, I just found it, you know. which And so how do we circumvent that, right? So the best way is we want people to donate their unwanted bikes to the 4R Winnipeg Recycling Depot's. All those bikes they then get reused in programming for children and families across the city. So, your, people's impulse is great, like w- Winnipeg's hearts are amazing. We just want you to do it a better way where it's not providing cover for you know unseemly activities which are overall driving. Well, let's cut theft. to it. We've
3: been talking about bike theft yeah. for the last couple of years now, it's on the rise. I think, I think. Uh, 2,000 or more per year now is what we're averaging. And so that's a big concern for people. But meth is driving that, according to police, in part, because people are stealing those bikes, selling it for... Whatever they can so they can go get that quick high. And this is what we're talking about, the people who might be looking to steal the bikes off the curb rather than put them to good use.
7: Yeah, well, the thing is, I mean, bike theft, it's been with us for a while, right? So there is a group of people who are always looking to exploit the vulnerable. And people suffering from meth addiction are very, very vulnerable community members. So the loan sharks, the chop shop runners, all these people who want to make a quick buck out of suffering of our friends and loved ones and community members, they give them an avenue to turn those into cash, right, to fuel this addiction, right? So the easiest way for us to do it is just to, like, control the flow on our end so that we... Giveaway bikes in a proper way, therefore, recognize their value, right? If we're just leaving them at the curb, people start to think, well, a bike's just a worthless thing. Like, people leave them laying around, right? So it's no big deal if they get stolen, right? But as people in Manitoba know, bikes can be very important in people's lives, right? And it's just, and crime in general, nobody wants to be victimized. It really breaks down community cohesion. And it just, you know, it's a social injustice in all of our lives. We all deserve to live free of crime victimization. So this has kind of become a currency
1: of choice and I hadn't heard about the the extension of that with regard to chop shops and I guess that may extend into stolen vehicles as well in terms of uh, individuals who are providing these drugs
7: saying, "Hey, uh if you haven't got any money, here's what you can do instead." Totally, and it's absolutely a gateway thing. And you hit the nail on the head there, right? Like so the people, the pushers, you know, the people who are trafficking people, who, the people who want to make money off these vulnerable populations, they'll bring people – like they're recruiting kids under 12, right? So they will bring them in with bike theft and then slowly wrap them into the life of, of broader and broader criminal activity, right? Take away these people's choices. They'll get their hooks into people when they're addicted or when they're young, and they won't ever realize that they have any other choice than this, Right. So, but we can we can do it together. There's very positive ways of preventing bike theft. Properly disposing of your bike is one. Take it to a four-hour depot. Those bikes all get reused in community bike programming. That brings people together, provides people with alternatives to buying a stolen bike or stealing a bike themselves. Uh, also provides people with programming that makes them feel part of the community and strengthens them internally, builds their personal capacity. Uh, you could also not buy bikes online. Buying any, I know they say, like, you know, check the serial numbers and all that. That's a little confusing. Just don't buy bicycles online ever. That is essentially funding this crime, right? So build your own bike at a community bike shop. Uh, Buy a bike from the wrench. We have, we're building up bikes for sale all the time uh, through our upcycle program, which is skills and holistic life training for underemployed or unemployed community bike shop mechanics. All that funding goes right into programming for the community. Uh, or go to a local bike shop. And the other way is ride your bicycle more. So the more bicycles we have on the street, the, it reduces all crime. It's called natural surveillance. People on bicycles, their eyes on the street. People recognize people on bicycles as other humans and it corrects behavior. People don't feel like they can get away so much when there's a person presence on the street. So, so you,
3: what do we so for this weekend? We're talking about the giveaway, mm-hmm. but the bikes is the connection to that. So mm-hmm. if I if I have a bike out there that I was planning to give mm-hmm. away this weekend, the four there's four recycling depots I can take it to. Or
7: so for our Winnipeg depots, there's one at Brady Road, so the old Brady Road landfill. Uh, there's one at. Panit Road and Pacific. So they're all listed on the City of Winnipeg website, 311. Uh, They all have great hours, uh, so it's very convenient. You can take down your used paint and used batteries too if you want. Uh, Every bike, as I say, goes back into programming. So if you want to make sure that this stuff is not only recycled but reused, that it's really building capacity in your community, that's what you want to do with it. Follow your heart, but do the right thing. Take those bikes to the 4R depots. And so The Wrench, uh,
0: Winnipeg Repair Education and Cycling Hub. Mm -hmm. um, You just very quickly tell us a little bit about your organization. I'm at your website, Mm thewrench.ca, And uh, you've got a volunteer shop, which is on, uh, is it Saturdays or just this Saturday?
7: Uh, We run one every weekend. Uh, So we are a charitable nonprofit public health organization. So what we want to do is build stronger, healthier communities by removing barriers to building, maintaining, and repairing bikes. Uh, bikes are like prosperity machines. Like they're a great tool for generating wealth, health and happiness in communities. Right. But really, we're all about the people. So we want to bring everybody together, build up skills, personal capacity by learning you know, how to fix and repair things. And then we want them to gain greater independence by that. So, you know, they can get around, they have some skills, some marketable traits. Then we want them to use those skills to give back to their community, right? So we're doing independence, mastery, generosity, and a sense of belonging. Because the more we get together, everybody, everybody is our motto – And the bikes are just the hook to get everybody together. We start to work together, we learn about each other, and we have amazing results.
1: I know when I was in my late teens, uh, I didn't have a car, but I did have a bike. And so it meant that I could meet my friends that did have cars at Assiniboine Park on Saturdays and Sundays. And when I had a job that I had to work until 12 o'clock in the morning, it meant I didn't have to spend $10 on a cab to get home. I could ride my bike home. And in fact, someone stole my seat once and I (laughs) rode to a construction job from the West End to Tuxedo for two weeks between paydays without a seat but standing it, up the whole time correct. doing that but oh was, my God. It, 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 but, but my bicycle was the difference between saying no to that late shift mm-hmm. and 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 taking that mm-hmm. late shift because i felt comfortable i could get home in 6 minutes versus walking for 20 and it really was, uh, for me, a bridge to independence and to uh, to money in my pocket. So I Absolutely. understand exactly. I've, I've been there, and I uh, completely uh, understand what what you're talking about on this front. This is awesome stuff, Pat. Thank
0: Why, you for thank this. Thank you.
7: Thank you, people of Manitoba.
0: Yeah, I know once again, our guest has been Pat Crowick with The Wrench. The website is thewrench.ca If you have a bike that you're looking to unload this weekend during the curbside giveaway weekend, don't put it on the curb. Bring it to one of the 4R Recycling Depots instead
6: so we can keep them out of the hands of addicts. The Start On
0: Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.